Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. To God. As I said, there's a couple holidays coming up. Out of, I'm curious to know, how many likes, okay, I'm going to go Thanksgiving, Christmas. How many likes Thanksgiving better? How many likes Christmas better? Oh, really? Y'all are so materialistic. <laughs> I think I, I like them both. I really do. But I, I do like Thanksgiving. Um, I, I really like Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. I enjoy the big meal. And my wife, if she's watching tonight, I especially love it if my wonderful wife makes, makes the meal because nobody cooks like her. She's a good cook. She is a good cook, I promise. Uh, the juicy turkey. Uh, some people maybe prefer the turkey to be dry, you know, whatever. <laughs> Turkey's always got to be there. Some sumptuous pies, pecan pie, uh, sweet potato pie, pecan pie, I think I already said that, all the different pies. Uh, dressing, um, some dressing or some sweet potato casserole, all the different types of things. I enjoy the time that I, we get to spend with family, with friends, as you just sit around the table, kind of relax, don't have to rush and go do anything. Maybe watch a little football game, who knows, you know, just casually converse about what's going on in the world and life. But I especially enjoy the opportunity that is set aside on that day to give thanks to God. Amen. Who has blessed our lives, who has blessed my life and has blessed your life far more than we actually deserve. Now, the holiday of Thanksgiving, okay, I know it's, it's a few weeks out, but, but our, our minds can maybe start thinking that way. The holiday of Thanksgiving has somewhat of a storied history in our nation. Uh, it goes back to 1621, so it's over 400 years old. Um, you know, so when the Plymouth colonists, they shared uh, with Native American Indians a, a celebration in Thanksgiving of a successful harvest. Uh, but it's continued throughout our history, and, and it culminated in, a, in Abraham Lincoln in 1863, I want you to think about this. In 1863, during the middle of the Civil War, when our country was, was being torn apart and fighting against each other, he issued, in, in 1863, October 3rd, Abraham Lincoln issued a Thanksgiving proclamation. And this is what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November. Now we observe the fourth Thursday uh, in November. But the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent or our generous Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Amen. And so thanksgiving has a storied history in, in our country. Okay, it's obvious. This is obvious evidence that ours... Our country, America, has traditionally been a culture of thankfulness that we have sought, even in times of great hardship, like 1863, we have sought in times of hardship to thank our Heavenly Father for His countless blessings. Amen? But I don't think it's any great observation to realize that our culture of thankfulness that we've had since at least 1621, our culture of thankfulness is quickly being turned into a culture of unthankfulness. 
Now, this increase that we see around us that we might even observe in our own lives, it shouldn't come as a surprise because the Apostle Paul told us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that one of the characteristics of the last days would be people that are unthankful. Right? So people in the last days, they're going to be excessive lovers of themselves, is what the Apostle Paul said. People are going to be unholy. People are going to be disobedient to parents. People are going to, to love pleasure more than they love God. They're going to have a form of godliness. But in all of that, but one of the characteristics of the last days, Paul said, is that people would be unthankful. Yeah, they would be ungrateful to the God who fashioned them, who created them, who made them in His image. And so tonight in this sermon, hopefully we can push against that culture of unthankfulness, right? We can push against this characteristic of the last days and not just out there, you know, and, and, and complain about the, the, maybe the worker at McDonald's or our coworkers who are so negative and aren't thankful at all, but let's make sure we apply it to our own hearts and lives, and let's encourage ourselves to be thankful, as the Apostle Paul said, always, to be thankful always in everything, and let's, let's you know, Thanksgiving isn't just the only time that we ought to be thankful, but because it's coming up on the calendar, let's use it as an opportunity to reignite a fire of gratitude in our hearts. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take things with gratitude. And we need to make sure that in all of life, in everything that we do, let's take things not for granted, okay, but with gratitude, with thankfulness to the God from whom all blessings flow. Tonight we're going to break this down into three points. We're going to talk about the essence of giving thanks. What does it mean? What does it really mean to give thanks? We'll talk about some enemies of giving thanks. And finally, we'll look at the extent of giving thanks. So let's talk about it. the essence of giving thanks. But giving thanks to God begins with a proper understanding that He, okay, He, God, is responsible for all the blessings in our lives. Now I want you to, to pay attention to something. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he does not specify to whom we are to give thanks. Notice what he says. He just says, in everything, give thanks. He doesn't say, give thanks to God. Although everybody here tonight knows that's who we are to give thanks. We are believers here tonight. We are Christians. We have been, been, been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been adopted into the family of God. We've been, been delivered from, from, from sins and called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And so it's funny, Paul doesn't even have to say, hey, give thanks to God. When he says give thanks, we know that he's talking that we ought to give thanks to God. That God is good and God is the source of all goodness in our lives. Notice a few verses from, from the Bible. Psalm chapter 100 and verse 5 says, the Lord is good. Amen. If we were to sum up who God is and we were to give one quality maybe, one of the words we would have to include about the characteristic of God is that He is good. Amen. God is good. His truth endureth to all generations as the Bible tells us. James chapter 1 says this. He says that, that every not just some good gifts as he goes on, not just a few. He says that every 
good gift. Think of all the good gifts in your life, all the blessings, your family, your friends. Hopefully you consider them to be blessings, right? Every good gift, every, every, every perfect gift, as he says, doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come because you worked it and you made it work, whatever. Every good gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And then he says, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That points to God being a, a, a being who does not change. So guess what? If God has, is responsible for all the gifts in the past, guess what? And he does not change. He's going to continue being good to his children and continue being good to his people. Now God's goodness and God as the source of all goodness, it stands in stark contrast to who we are outside of God or outside of Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 14, that referring to humanity, that they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. Notice this, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Jesus was asked a question in his ministry in Mark chapter 10. He said, good master... What must I do to inherit eternal life? We know this is the story of the rich young ruler. And Jesus responds to him, and what does he say? Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. We have to understand this if we're going to give proper thanks to God, that all goodness, all good in our lives does not come because of who we are, but it becomes from God. There is none good. There is no other source of goodness. There is no other source of, of blessings and benefits except the God of the universe. There's a song that sums this up. It's called the doxology. Anybody ever heard the doxology? Maybe if I gave the lyrics, you, you'll know it. Now, it's, it's funny. I, I tried to confirm this with Katrina, and she wasn't exactly sure how it happened. But sometimes, I know at least sometimes, her dad's family, when they would get together to eat, they would begin to sing the doxology. I don't know if it was the sign that it was time to eat supper or, or what happened, but I thought that was really fascinating, that, that they sang the doxology. And what the doxology says is this, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Praise God. Anybody know it? From whom? Yes, you know it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God is the source of... Of all benefits, of all blessings, of all goodness. Amen. And so this understanding that He is the source of all goodness, that He is the source of all gifts in our lives, it leads us to express appreciation to Him. Amen. So it's not just that we know, hey, well, He's, he's the source of all goodness. It leads, or it should lead us to saying, thank you for giving me all these good things. I appreciate all. All the good gifts that you have bestowed in my life. Amen. That's what it means. That's the essence of giving thanks. It, it's that knowledge that God is the source of all goodness. And I'm going to express my appreciation to him. Now how might we express our appreciation to God? There's a few different ways. We could sing praises to him as we did tonight. Uh, you're not going to hear me sing right now. But you know, maybe if I was back in my quartet days, you know. We should sing praises to God. 
We could tell God, and when we go to the when we go to Him in prayer, okay, when we pray at church, at home, wherever, we should tell Him, "Thank you." God likes to hear when we when we specify different different blessings, right? Thank you for this blessing. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my family. Thank you for for every benefit that is in my life. We should tell him. That's how we can express appreciation. Another way is this, is to tell other people about how good God has been to you. It'd be a shame if you really thought, you know, God's been good to me, and then, you know, people around you at work had no idea that you were even a Christian or didn't even know that you served God because you never talked about God or never talked. And again, I, you don't have to be obnoxious. You know, you don't have to be, be like that, as some people probably can be over the top. But just in your everyday conversation, hey, let me tell you what God did for me this week. Let me tell you about God's faithfulness. Let me tell you about God's goodness. Amen. I was thinking of it today uh, in the prayer room uh, before service. Brother Smith came in there. In the first line, when Brother Smith goes to pray, he always says this, Great is thy faithfulness. Isn't that true? God is good. God is faithful, and we ought to express our appreciation. Secondly, let's look at the enemies of giving thanks. Because it shouldn't come as a shock to us that there would be many things that would try to rob our gratitude. That would try to rob our giving of thanks to God. And I think if we're aware of a few of these enemies, and again, I'm not going to make an exhaustive list. You could come up with some more. But if we're aware of a few of these specific potential thieves, it might make us aware of it so that we can continue to give thanks to God and not allow it to steal, steal the great blessing that giving thanks is. The first is this. What's an enemy of giving thanks? Forgetfulness. The first enemy is forgetfulness. The psalmist David knew this in Psalm chapter 103. Do you remember what he says? He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Amen. Notice David is not speaking to other people and saying, hey guys, don't forget God's benefits. David is speaking to himself. Oh my soul. Oh my soul. David, listen to me. Don't forget the benefits of God. And the reason David has to say this is because there's a default position that happens in our thinking and we can label it uh, spiritual Alzheimer's. It's kind of you know, analogous to, to, to Alzheimer's, a dementia that happens in the natural. It, is we forget it's a spiritual Alzheimer's, that, that we forget the benefits of God, and we have to fight against it. David says, don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget the benefits. And then David lists a few benefits. The first one he mentions is forgiveness. Okay, David, don't forget forgiveness of your sins and your transgressions. We cannot, as the people of God, forget the benefit of forgiveness. We can't forget the benefit of healing. Because he says that God healeth all thine diseases. Our God is a healer. And we cannot forget that benefit. The third one he mentions is redemption. Amen. That we have been bought. We have been redeemed by Christ. Amen. We cannot forget that benefit. And on and on he goes. We could add to it. We can't forget who God is. 
Okay? Not just what he has done, but let's not forget who he is. That he is holy and loving and just and merciful. And, and, and all, all we can just keep adding, we cannot forget who God is. We can't forget where we've come from. Okay, you know, and again, I don't think we have to glorify our past and just just celebrate all the sins of our past. But let's not forget where we used to be. Right. The sins, because if we forget, we'll have a tendency of going back and and returning to Egypt. But let's not forget. And we can't forget another thing we can't forget. Another benefit, if we would say it like that, is we can't forget where we're going. Amen. As Christians, let's not forget that we are headed to an eternal city. We are headed to a place called heaven. If we forget that, if we forget and we think that it's only about this life, the troubles and problems that we we encounter, we're going to have a tendency of just being overwhelmed by them and thinking, well, this is all it is. But friend, we're not just in this life, but we're headed to another life. Amen. We're headed to somewhere else. And that ought to fill us with joy and hope, friend. But the point is... We ought to give thanks to God, and we have to fight against this enemy. We have to fight against this tendency of the human soul to forget the blessings of the Lord. Another enemy of of giving thanks is comparisons. Okay, Now, we could call this the comparison syndrome, whatever you want to call it. But we can always find somebody around us that has it just a little bit better than we do. Right? Maybe not financially, maybe that doesn't appeal to you, but there's always somebody in some area of their life that, that, that we, we, you know, they're doing better than. And so when we compare ourselves with others, what that does is we become discontent. We become blind, really, to how God has blessed us already, that what He has given us, what He has done for us. And we just think, you know, and I know this is wrong, but we think this well, other people really haven't made except me. All, only my life is bad. But friend, this is, this is wrong because all of us, God has blessed us immeasurably. Amen? But we, when we compare our problems, all of us have different problems. When we compare our problems, that can lead to, to a lack of thankfulness. When we compare our, our pains, you know, well, they really don't have the chronic pain that I have. You know, they don't have what I have, and so therefore I'm not going to give thanks. Friend, we don't understand why things, all things happen. We really don't, but we ought to give thanks to God. I mean, one, one point that we need to mention here is the, the, uh, the use of social media and the use of the internet in relationship to this, this issue because it's compounded the problem, Okay. It's compounded the problem of, of comparison. And so um, there, there's nothing that causes us to compare our lives with other people's lives as excessive use of the internet and excessive use of social media. I, um, some data that, that I've read, it says that since, since around 2012, so some psychologists feel that that's a kind of an important year in, the, in our country because it's a year that smartphones became kind of crossed a threshold and they became pre- very prevalent, very commonplace in, our, in a lot of our homes, our houses, etc. And so that's the date, that's the time, not only when smartphones became prevalent, but also when social media apps became much more used, right? Back in t- 2008, if you wanted to access a social media, you had to get on computer, and so you couldn't just do it while you're at work or while you're driving or wherever, but now you can access social media 
anywhere and everywhere, right? And so um, there's some interesting data that since that time, uh, researchers have, have noticed that there has been an exponential increase in loneliness and depression and general dissatisfaction with life. There's some data according to Monitoring the Future that they have tracked uh, a number of trends amongst American teens since 1976. So they've been doing this for a while. 1976. And these aren't Christian statistics. These are just general statistics. So since 1976, they've been tracking youth. And, seen, and these are a little dated, but, but, but not too dated. Seniors graduating high school in 2015. Okay? 2015. So that would have been the year that the smartphone became prevalent, and they were in, they were freshman high schoolers. Since 2015, seniors graduated high school in 2015. They were more dissatisfied with themselves and their lives as a whole than at any other time in recorded history. Okay. Another, so the same research found this that 36 percent of young people, eighth and twelfth graders, believe that they quote can't do anything right. Nearly 32% felt as if their life was not useful, and 29% agreed with the statement, quote, I do not enjoy life. Those are some troubling statistics. When a third of young people, a third of of, of the youth group that I try to minister to, when they say they don't enjoy life, I mean, you know, you're a teenager, you ought to be living it up, it's, it's great. When they say, I can't do anything right, my life is not useful. And there's a lot that, that we could talk about the numbers and we could try to explain, explain everything, but most researchers believe that there is a link between heavy social media usage and feelings of unhappiness, anxiety, and depression. Now why am I saying all this? Because it goes back to comparison, it really does. Our brains, I don't believe, are wired for constant comparison with everybody in the human universe. Okay, And when we are constantly comparing ourselves with other people, this has been a problem for thousands of years, comparison. But it gets compounded, it gets increased in an age of social media because we see everybody else's life, not just in our immediate context, but everywhere else. And so we're constantly comparing ourselves. And what that means is, you know, our, we feel like our life's terrible. We feel like our life's not good. We feel like everybody else has it better. And also, because of all this constant usage, guess what? We're not going to take, be taking the time of giving thanks to God. And for I wanted to go down that trail, not to say you don't need to have social media, but to make us aware, friend, of how that affects us, okay? It deeply, deeply affects the human psyche when we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. So one of the enemies of thanksgiving, one of the enemies of thankfulness is, is forgetfulness, but another one is, is comparison, okay? Comparing our lives to other people, we need to be aware of this enemy. We need to be on guard against this enemy so that it doesn't have an in, impact in our Lives. I just mentioned two, but there's other ones we can mention. What about busyness? Okay, anybody been busy? Right? We live busy lives, not busyness. Busyness. Okay, we're constantly on the go with work and children and jobs and all that. Right? And, and if we don't take the time, if we aren't intentional, we're not going to be giving thanks to God. Another thing that affects uh, giving thanks is excessive expectations. Wrong expectations. Saying, you know, God, I'm expecting you to do this, 
But God didn't really say he's going to do that, and well, God, you left me down, right? And, so, and, and if, we don't, if we have wrong expectations, it can lead to a, a lack of giving thanks, friend. Let us be on guard, amen? We need to express appreciation to God. We need to thank him as the source of all good things. Let us be on guard, each of us tonight, that we would be aware of the, of the enemies that would try to take away thankfulness. Talked about... The essence of giving thanks, what does it mean? Talked about the enemies of giving thanks, and you could add some more. Let's talk finally about the extent of giving thanks. Notice what Paul said. In some things, give thanks. Yep, in all things, in everything, give thanks. Notice the extent, in everything. Now, I want you to notice what Paul doesn't say, okay? Paul does not say, for everything, give thanks. Okay? Lord, thank you today that I sinned. Okay? Thank you that I stumbled into sin. Thank you that I fell from righteousness. Thank you that... No, he doesn't say we ought to give thanks for everything, but he says that in everything, whatever circumstance of life that I am in, I ought to have a posture of thankfulness in the good days and in the bad days, in the rain and in the sunshine, in the valley when you're on, or when you're on the mountaintop, when you are feeling good and on fire for God, or you're feeling terrible in your soul. In all circumstances, in everything, we ought to give thanks to our God. Now for some people... It's probably easier to give thanks to God during the good times. Some people struggle with the bad times. I don't know where you fall, or I don't necessarily always know where I fall on this. But we need to be careful that if I'm in the good times or I'm in the bad times, I give thanks to God. In my storms, if I'm going through a relationship storm, guess what? If you're having trouble in trouble in your relationship, you can still thank God for some things. There's a lot to be thankful for. You might be having a financial storm tonight. You know, the economy and inflation and all that. You know, you might be overwhelmed. But guess what? Even then, you can still give thanks and appreciation to our God. You might be in a spiritual storm. You feel like you are under demonic assault. You feel like the enemy is coming against you. Even then, there is much to be thankful for. God is still God. He is still on the throne. He is still coming again for His people. Amen. There is a lot that we can be thankful for even when we're in the midst of our storms. But we also need to be thankful in our successes. Okay? Because if we're not thankful in our successes, it leads to pride and arrogance and thinking, well, well, I'm the one that's responsible for all the good in my life. If we have success in our career, we ought to give thanks to the Lord. If we're successful in ministry, we ought to be thankful to the Lord. Friend, let me encourage us tonight that we are going to be people of Thanksgiving. And I'm not just going to be a person of Thanksgiving when things are going my way. And I'm not just going to be a person of Thanksgiving when things aren't going my way. But I'm going to be a person of Thanksgiving in everything. That I'm not going to let forgetfulness steal my thanks. I'm not going to let busyness steal my thanks. I'm not going to let comparison steal my thanks. I'm not going to let narcissism steal 
my thanks, thinking that I'm the one that's responsible for all the good. I am going to give thanks and appreciation to my God. Amen. If Sister Jones would come to the piano. I, I ended this way last Sunday night, and it's in the, in the text, so I, I just have to mention it. A lot of people ask, well, what's God's will for my life? Does God want me to be a missionary to Tanzania? Does God want me to stay right here in Lorain County and work, you know, and, and be a faithful member to the church? Does God want me to marry, I'm trying to think of nobody's names in here. That's dangerous. Or does God want me to stay single the rest of my life? Or, or maybe a season of my life be single? Okay? Does, does God want me to, to uh, is God going to allow me to live 100 years old? Or is God going to let a sickness come into my life that takes me early on? Friend, there's a lot of questions in our lives that we can wonder, what's the will of God on this? And I can tell you, I don't know. Okay? I can't tell you really whom you should marry. I might give some good advice, but I can't tell you. I, I can't prophesy what career you should pursue. Okay, young people, old people, I can't tell you. Well, what career you should go down. Like we could give some biblical principles, but I can't tell you, hey, go this way. But what I can tell you is there's at least one aspect of God's will that applies to all of us. And it's right here, because he says, in everything give thanks. What does he continue saying? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Young people, middle-aged, old people, don't get so consumed pursuing God's will you forget this, right? What, wherever you work, whatever you do, to all God be all the glory. But in that, give thanks to God. Don't say, well, I'm only going to give thanks to God if He gives me direction in my life as to whom I'm married. No, friend. Give thanks to God in everything. This is God's will for your life. Let us be faithful to God and obedient to God and not, and not stingy with our thanks because God maybe doesn't go do everything we want Him to do. Amen? As we enter this Thanksgiving season, as we're, the calendar's about to turn to November, let us remember the one from whom all blessings flow. Let us praise him. Let us give thanks and appreciation to him. It's not just for our own selves, not just for that, but so that we can affect other people, right? So that other people will begin to recognize and know the goodness of our God. Amen? If that's your prayer tonight, why don't we find a place to pray? Let's spend some time giving him thanks. Let's spend some time being committed to thankfulness. Amen? Let's spend some time talking to him tonight. Amen? Why don't you come and find a place to pray? Amen. God bless you.